it's a good one. I think it depends, you know, at what level and what risk you're prepared to to take. So a large capital project, if we're going to make a, a, a bet on that, then it's going to be pretty high up in the company where, where those decisions are going to be made. But but if you think about at the end of the day, we're working for our customers. We're here to, to make sure that we're enriching lives. So we would expect the front of the, the shop, so to speak, to be able to make decisions that are relevant for what our customers need and would expect the middle office to be able to support those decisions and it needs to be welcome to innovation and leadership where i interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers elite special operations soldiers startup ceos who sold their companies for billions of dollars pro athletes hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as i can the whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got Ian Pinner. Ian, thanks for making time for this. It's a pleasure, Jess. Thanks very much for the invitation. You bet. So many, many people will know ADM as a Fortune 500 company. At least last year, you guys were Fortune 50. I don't know where you're at on the stack today. But but for the few people who, who aren't familiar with ADM, can you talk about what ADM is and, and being in charge of innovation and what your role is there? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so ADM's a, a global nutrition business, and we're involved in a, a very long value chain that we're very proud of. We, we, we cover everything from working with farmers and originating crops and helping them with their their uh, pricing, their risk management. <clears throat> we have supply chain assets where we're moving those crops to destinations where they're deficit. So we're going to the Middle East, we're going to Asia, Africa. We've got processing businesses that take the commodities from, from farmers and we turn those into primary ingredients. So we've got vegetable oils, we've got animal nutrition, animal proteins. We were involved in corn processing. We have wheat milling, uh, we're making the sugars. And then all the way through to a more recent business unit, the nutrition business unit, where we're, we're making ingredients and flavors, natural ingredients and flavors, probiotics for our, both in animal nutrition and, and human nutrition. Um, we've got about 40,000 people and operation sales into about 140 companies. And my role is um, to help facilitate innovation in the organization. So we've got great ideas coming from our teams, trying to solve problems for our customers to help them grow to, to help us grow and help our stakeholders. So you cover so many different things and, uh, and yet there are common themes through what you do. I'm interested in some of your philosophies of, of helping innovation across the organization, getting, getting the best ideas from across, you know, almost 40,000 people. Yeah, well, it's something we continue to try and reinvigorate. It, 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 it's something that, you know, if, if, if you haven't got an organization, a company that's growing, you'll wither on the vine. And innovation drives growth. New product launches drive growth. Working with our customers drives growth. And, and that's the same across that value chain. But it doesn't always have to be a, a, a new idea. Innovation could be changing the way that we're doing something now into something that's better, more efficient, and providing a different service to a customer. And if you think about that value chain, all the way from the farmers that we're working with, right the way through to the, the customers, and in some cases, we've got consumer products as well, we're looking to continually improve and continue to drive something that's going to create a better outcome for the stakeholders that we're working with. So what's an example of an innovation you've been proud of there? Well, one thing that I'm super proud of, if you go all the way to the right side of what we would call our value chain, is uh, probiotic that we won an award for recently this year, which is being clinically proven to help sufferers of Parkinson's disease. So what that means is that we're taking 
um, something that's natural and we're able to provide it maybe as a, as a nutrition or a dietary supplement. And it's working with the human microbiome to then provide a benefit to that individual. So it's not a pharma product, it's a natural product. It's something that we're developing to be available in food and beverage. It's something that we're investing in to make sure that we've got a strong science backing with that. And then if we're successful and our early trials is saying that we might be successful, what we'll end up with is a product that we're able to help enrich somebody's life with that, that comes in maybe a snacking bar or maybe in a ready to drink beverage. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing to be able to do as a company. And, and tell me again, in what way it should help with Parkinson's? Well, it, it helps uh, modulate the, the, the effects of Parkinson's. So we, we're still going through clinical studies, but we, we won a, a well-known renowned award for that. And, and we're very happy to have done so. That's exciting. So yeah, tell me this. You guys are, you guys are known, you know, large industrial food business. And, you know, I know a few years ago, you guys were winning the most admired food business in the world awards, things like that. You know, and what you're talking about, somebody might expect more from a pharmaceutical company or somebody like that. Can you talk about how you generate those type of ideas and how you push push a business to come up with, you know, new markets like that and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, and it's beautiful because this is where it all comes together. If, if you think about where we just went to, so that's something that might help somebody who, who's got maybe some kind of ailment that they're trying to solve. Then think about how we can deliver that through nutrition. Then go all the way back to where we were on the other side of the value chain. So we're originating from farmers, maybe that crop soybeans. We take the soybeans, we put them into our processing factory, and we can create an oil from that. And we can create the protein meal from that. We take the protein meal and we can further isolate the protein. And then that product can go into maybe a protein bar. And in that protein bar, we can then take some of our other innovations, which could be the probiotic, and we can bring that together. We can take our natural flavors, put those in there. Maybe some of our seeds, our nuts, our grains as well. And we're making something that tastes absolutely brilliant. And at the same time, it can help somebody's life and be, be, be better. This is the entire value chain that we talked about at the introduction. And this is how the teams bring it together every day. So one of the questions that I had, I was looking forward to this interview because, you know, we had the chief technology officer, no, uh, chief innovation officer from Cisco on a little while ago. And he talked about how difficult it can be for innovation in large organizations because you know, in the quest for efficiency, they haven't always been as friendly to creativity, you know, and there's, there can often be a lot of approvals that have to be gotten. There's, you know, there isn't always as much tolerance for mistakes and things like that. Can you talk about the quest for efficiency and on this side, and yet trying to create a culture that fosters creativity and innovation and, and doesn't stifle itself? I can. And, and he was quite right. It's not easy. Innovating is not easy. Growing isn't easy. And, and it's something that can take, um, I think, continuous effort and continuous iterations as, as you work to do it. And, and there's always this conflict in any organization, I think, between uh, short-term delivery and then the long-term growth. And, and, and that's what our CEO, CFO are working on all the time when they think about capital allocation, resource allocations within our organization. Um, so so what, what we're continuing to do and we're trying to evolve, one example would be to create specific platforms that people can relate to. And, and so you might have a growth platform a, a few years ago. We, we launched uh, certain growth platforms that went across the organization instead of through the different business units that, that I was talking about before. So there you can invite colleagues to get around something that they can relate to 
which might actually be delivered in another part of the organization. So if you think about animal nutrition, animal nutrition's a business within our nutrition business unit, but there's a lot of parts of our organization that can help innovate and help create opportunities for the animal nutrition business unit. If you work in silos, then it's hard to go across the silos. If you provide a platform for people to work across the silos and a safe environment for them to create new ideas and to give them a voice, then not every idea is a good idea, but you start getting some excitement about it. And then you start taking those ideas and start delivering. People can start seeing that results are coming. And then there's an excitement that builds within the organization and then more people want to get involved. And then you can start building on, on what you started with just as a, a basic platform. And, and so it's not easy and it, it takes a lot of drive and it takes a lot of commitment. But if there's a commitment for growth, you need to innovate to deliver that growth. And, and after that commitment's there, then it's about providing people the platform and the opportunity to bring their thoughts and opportunities for the company. So what does that platform look like for you guys? Are they physically getting together? Is it they can get time off their, what they're doing normally? What, what does that look like logistically? Yeah, well, I think that there's, there's different areas depending on different needs. The people that come to ADM want to see ADM grow. They want to see ADM continue to flourish. And, and so I don't think there's, there's ever a problem from finding people that have opinions and, and want to, to drive. Giving them some space, some time, and some platform for that is a, an area. We have a program, which, which is our readiness program, which provides a platform for this. It's an opportunity for anyone in the company to provide an idea for us to then review. And after we've reviewed that idea, then we can encourage them to maybe modify it or to bring it forward. So it starts as an ideation, then it goes forward to something that becomes a bit of a business plan, business idea. Then you've got to get to a point to where are we going to put some resource to it? Does it need capital? Does it need people? Does it need other things from the company? How can we help them get those things from the company? And then you can take that and then approve it and say, okay, let's do it. But, but a lot of the ideas that come actually don't need much other than, yeah, let's do it. That's great. Just do that. And, and that's where we try and drive the enthusiasm and encourage people to do it. And then because we have a system, we have a platform, we're able to measure it so we can track what's happening with those ideas. Where are they along their life cycle? And if we see people getting a bit stuck, we can sort of dig in and say, well, what's going on here? Is there something we can help with? Is there, you, know, you haven't got enough time or is it that you need some resources that we didn't expect? Whatever it might be that will untangle that and then we can get it back on its path again. And if you think about that, there's lots and lots and lots of ideas running through our readiness program, which is effectively, it's a, it's a, it's a platform that underpins the growth of the company. So l- let's break that down a bit. So somebody submitting an idea, is this email? Is this suggestion boxes? What does that look like? Well, they could send an email or, or, or a suggestion. I'm always open to receiving those because they're often a lot of fun to, to, to read and work on. But, but it, it comes into a system. So we have a formal system where that idea comes into. And then that means that as a company, entire company, enterprise-wide, we've got visibility of all of the ideas that are coming in. We can see where they are in there and their yeah. process and then try and sorry just and then try and, and and prioritize them as well which is important because we can't do everything sure and i know i'm getting granular here because it's interesting to me do you mean like they tell their manager and their manager enters it into a computer program what do you how does it get into the system can be either they can do it themselves or they can tell their manager supervisor and and they can do it it can come up through a team meeting and there could be a team that owns that and someone gets nominated there's always an initiative champion there's always somebody that, that, that we know to go to if they need help or they know to come to us if they're looking for something from the organization. But it's a system that, that the initiative champion will enter the, the initiative into and, and then we're off. 
And so once it gets to once it gets to the visibility stage, how, at what point does it get elevated to you, or does it get elevated to a division manager? What, what's what does that look like? Of there's all these suggestions coming in. How do they get prioritized? How do they get the green light for the next step? Yeah, so it depends what it needs. If if it's a just do it, then then it'll get approved through the normal authorization chain of a supervisor, and and that's where it'll get sent to for those approvals. If it requires a certain amount of capital or a certain amount of resources or some kind of other support from the organization, then it's going to go into another bracket. And at that level, we're looking to prioritize as well. And, and so if you think about the decisions that our CEO is going to make around capital allocation, we were able now to have visibility of these ideas. So we're then able to think about how do we want to prioritize, which ones are strategically aligned, which ones are more for um, the existing business, which ones take us into a new area, new growth, a new ingredient that we want to drive forward. And, and so it's, it's great to have that. Yeah. Is that on a schedule? Like is that quarterly or monthly or is it as, as needed or what does that look like? The executive council for, for for the company reviews the readiness program on a weekly basis, uh, depending okay. on what's topical. Yeah. That's great. I know um, there's a lot of frustrations often from staff saying, you know, I bring in my best ideas and then it's crickets. I never hear anything back. So then I stop, I stop submitting my ideas, right? So I'm encouraged to hear your frequency on that one. But isn't that important? Don't you think that feedback's really important? E- even if the answer's no, it's important that somebody understands why not and uh, they don't get disheartened and uh, maybe it's no, not yet. And, and that's important. So they know it's in the queue or maybe it's not quite like this, but if we can adjust it, then maybe it looks over there. The other thing about having transparency means that we can group similar ideas together. So it might not be my idea that gets selected, but maybe I become part of a team that's got a similar thought process and then we can start working on an idea together and they're similar and we're all motivated in the same way. I, I really, that's encouraging. So tell us another one. What's, what's something else you've been uh, excited about that's come up? Well, I, I think if you, if you think about what we've evolved to un, under, under one's uh, leadership, we've created a fourth business unit in, in the last what, five, six years in the organization. We have a nutrition business unit that's got sales of some six, $7 billion a year. It's housing an animal nutrition uh, business. It's housing a human nutrition business. And now we're evolving our health and wellness business within that, which is um, a lot of fun and, and something I'm very privileged to be working uh, closely with and, and, and running and leading, because that's where I think our next business unit could come from. It could evolve. If, if you think about um, on trend right now, we've got within that business unit, our prebiotics, our probiotics, our postbiotics, we have nutritional oils, we've got botanicals, we've got vitamins, and we keep our fermentation processes in there as well. So that, that's very exciting on that side. But then go all the way back through our value chain and think about what we've got there from, from what, 118 years of ADM being in business. We've got an asset base that's providing a service to farmers all the way through to customers all over the world. And, and there, that team continues to innovate too. If you think about now the continued need to be able to provide something that's traceable, something that's sustainable, something that's natural, this is where it's being derived from. And so that team's innovating sustainable programs. We're working with our customers to identify what it is that they're looking for for their consumer products that we can then develop from that great infrastructure, that supply chain. So is it a new product, new service? Is it a new way of doing business that helps the consumer at the end of the day feel like they're buying something that they want, it's traceable, it's sustainable, it's good for the environment, it tastes great, 
and then it came all the way back through ADM's infrastructure. So there's innovation across the entire organization. So I'm, I'm interested in that decision-making about a new business unit. You know, again, with bureaucracies and large organizations, there's often a lot of skill set at, at protecting my domain and, and making sure that my team and my silo and my budget is, is protected, right? So at what point does something move from like, oh, that's a nice add-on for our unit to it deserves its own unit? Well, that, that's a decision that, that at the end of the day, the CEO is going to make. But you know, if, if you think about we we have a little bit of that um, when we're, we're bringing you, you identified with it. We're an organization that's got one of the best probiotic research centers in the world. And it sits in Valencia and it's run by a wonderful team of scientists. And we've got doctors that support the technology. And you identify very quickly that while well, ADM's a big food company, what, what are you doing in probiotics? Well, if you think about the microbiome, and there's still a lot of work being done on the microbiome, but science is showing that if we put the, the right, if you like, friendly bacteria into the gut bacteria, then we can change the way that people feel. We can solve problems for individuals. We can enrich life. And, and so as you think about, well, how's the best way to do that? Well, one of the most fun best ways to do that is through food and beverage. And so as we were embarking on our strategy, one strategy to build a nutrition business unit, we identified through our marketing research and looking at global trends and looking at how science and technology is developing that the microbiome is an area that we need to become very good at. And so we acquired the company called um, Biopolis in Valencia, and we've now supported that team and continue to support that team they work with our nutrition business, and we work out how we can take the um, the probiotics, the prebiotics, you know, the fibers, the vitamins, the blends that these team is using, and then mix that with the ingredients that we have, the flavors that we talked about before, and and solve the problem through great taste. Isn't that a wonderful thing to do? So that's something that I'm really proud about too. Now, when we were talking about bringing probiotics into the organization, there's no doubt some people would say, well, why are we doing that? But, but as we continue to evolve the nutrition business, which draws from a lot of our corn processing and our oil processing, so we need those assets for the nutrition business. We're now bringing new capabilities in there as well to be able to provide something new for nutrition as well, the same way that we provided another business for our corn assets and our oil seed assets to provide too. So I'm interested, when you think about all of that, if, if there was a lesson for the rest of us, regardless of what industry we're in, we're trying to grow something, we're trying to build something. What, what's a principle there that you think those of us not in the food business, how can we apply that to the organizations we're growing of various sizes? Well, I think I mean, we, we talk about making sure that we know where to play and how to win. We, we can't be good at everything. And so we take a lot of time to study markets. We take a lot of time. We look at what we think are the, the right trends and the global trends for our industry and what we think we need to be connected to. And, and then we look at what have we got today that we can take to those markets or we can grow more into those markets. And then what are we missing? And if we bring it into our organization, are we the right owners for that? Is, is it an area that we have a core competency and can we be successful? And that takes a lot of work and a lot of discussion. But if and when you land on the right yeses for all of that, then you can make your strategic moves. And, and then you can look at driving growth and accelerating growth in the organization. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think like the excitable people who want to do new stuff, right? Probably a lot of them suffer from what I suffer from, which is shiny, shiny penny syndrome. 
you know, every, like you want to know the best idea, whatever one we're talking about right now. Yeah, you know? No doubt, no doubt. I suffer from that too. And I love to read and I, I like to pick up new things and, and I like to learn every single day. And if I'm not careful and I don't check myself as to what it is we're trying to get done, I'll, I'll be chasing around all over the place. And, and, and that's part of the role of, of what we try to do with, with the guardrails we talked about before. What is it we're trying to make? What are we innovating for? And then, you know, there's a broad range there. There's enough to keep us busy, that's for sure. But, but let's try and stay in the guardrails unless strategically we decide we need to broaden those guardrails out a little bit. And that means that we should be aligned with the strategic um, growth that the company is striving for. You know, uh, I'm interested, a topic I'm interested in your thoughts on, I've, I've really been diving into Reed Hastings' book about the Netflix culture and, and Patty McCord, his former chief of talent. And they talk about this idea that sometimes the people to invent new stuff are not the best ones to stay and maintain it. Have you encountered that? Do you have any thoughts about that potential tension there? I, I think certainly, whether it's invent and maintain, I, I think there's certain types and, and, and there are types of, of capabilities and there's talent that can traverse and, and it can go from different things and, and be very successful. I, I think part of it's mindset and we like to think in ADM we have a growth mindset. And so whatever you're good at, you know, let's try and do it the best way that, that we can. I think when it comes to, to, to leaders and, and talents, there's no doubt that by putting the right talent and the right capabilities over a job that needs to get done, it gets accelerated and it gets done well. But, but you've got to take time as well to grow talent. And, and that means stretching them and that means fostering them. And that means letting them make mistakes and, and endeavoring to, to keep getting better and, and to get there. And, and sometimes that doesn't work out, but that doesn't mean we haven't got the raw, the right talent. Maybe we tried to match the right talent with the wrong role. And then, and then we go back and we, we look at that again. And then that's how it should, it should happen. You know, you brought up something I want to talk about. So we're, my team, we're right in the middle of starting a real estate investment trust. We're, we're getting ready to buy big apartment buildings in downtown of innovation cities, right? Where venture capital money's pouring in, stuff like that. And, uh, and in many ways, it's a, you know, that part of our business is not the most exciting part. This media stuff, so we can give ourselves free advertisements. <laughs> is more is more fun and more inventive, right? And so there can be a sense to maybe set the guardrails pretty close together. I think in some of this, you know, it's it's pretty mathematical. We're buying buildings on a discounted cash flow basis, right? And yet, you look at innovation that's happening in property technologies and stuff like that that comes along. So I'm interested in your advice because you hear this from everybody. Hey, we need to make it safe to fail. We need to make it safe to experiment, right? But without the correct guardrails, people stick to the middle because they don't want to risk. They don't want to risk going over the line. If you don't know where the line is, you know, it's like that study of if you put school kids in a, in a field and there's no fences, all the kids play in the middle of the field. If you put fences around it, they spread out across the whole field, you know? Yep. And so you hear like, I know this is just a small version, but I want to say it's like the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons are like, you know, these people are allowed to solve any problem for a guest up to, it was either like $500 or $2,000, something like this, without management approval. So they know, hey, here's my, here's my left and right limits, and, and I get to be creative within this before I need approval. How do you guys navigate that? Like, trying, you know, having an acceptable amount of failure without ambiguity so people just play in the middle of the field? I, yeah, well, I think uh, your example is a good one. I think it depends, you know, at what level and what risk you're prepared to to take. So a large capital project, if we're going to make a, a bet on that, then it's going to be pretty high up in the company where, where those decisions are going to be made. But but if you think about at the end of the day, we're working for our customers. We're here to, to make sure that we're enriching lives. 
So we would expect the front of the, the shop, so to speak, to be able to make decisions that are relevant for what our customers need. And would expect the middle office to be able to support those decisions. And it needs to be synchronized. You can't have a certain set of guardrails in one area that are out of sync with another area, because then your pitch is going to be all, all um, sort of off, off skewed, if you like. But, but I think to, to your point on, on decisions, that can be done as well through, and this is where readiness helps too, through trying to elevate what is it we're trying to decide. If it's a good idea, that's one thing. If you've then got a good idea, but you're not sure how to do it, well, we can help. Why, why is it that everybody knows how to do something? Why should they know how to do something, especially if it's a new idea? So how can we then you know, take that idea and, and, and help them with that? And each time you're doing an iteration, and it's similar with, you know, if you think about science and technology and investing in, in R&D, it's an iteration. And, and it's only at a certain point would you decide to go big and bold. And, and along the way, you've got a process to be able to, to help you with that. But there needs to be some agility in that. You've got to be able to give people a little bit of room to be able to operate or as much room as they think they need. And that's a discussion that, that you want to be having with your team or with the individual as to what it we're trying to achieve. And then what are those milestones that you want to do along the way that allow us to track? And they might be qualitative, not necessarily, oh, I just made, you know, my first million dollars, it could be, oh, I just got my first 10 customers. And whatever it might be that we think is important if we're trying to prove a concept. And then we say, okay, now let's take that. What do we do next? Okay, I've got my first 10 customers, but they told me the product wasn't what they wanted. Right, so what do we need to make for them? And this is how we should evolve. But we're not, we're not perfect at this. This is something that continues to evolve within the organization. But one thing we are committed to is making sure that we innovate for growth. Yeah. You mentioned that you're, you're a reader. I'm a real audiobook nerd, so I need, I need some good suggestions. What are some of your favorite books? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've been running marathons, and so I've been listening to a lot of audio audio stuff, particularly when you're on the treadmill doing a half marathon. It's, it's, it's pretty sluggish. I, I like to, to, to think about books. I, I spend a lot of time on uh, disruption and you know, scaling, unscaling, unscaled is a good book. We're a big corporation. Who wrote that one? Do you know? I, I, this, don't ask me for authors. I can give you okay. the title as well. Okay. <laughs> unscaled, um, huh? Unscaled. Um, what do you like, I like from that one? I like it. Well, I, I like, so, well, there's two that I would say are, are, are relevant, Jess. If you think about unscaled, it, it, it's discussing and giving um, several examples, and it's been a while since I read it, but, but the, 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 the idea of the book and the key message, messaging is that Having built a lot of companies that have been very successful at being scaled, maybe there's an opportunity now for those, I guess, for disruptors to come in and unscale some of those capabilities. And, and that, you know, this discussion around consumer trends and whether consumers are looking for something different, something niche, something maybe organic from our perspective, something that's a natural alternative protein. And, and so, you know, if you think about are you going to become unscaled because of potential disruption? The, the other way to think about that, and this is another one I like, which is Goliath's Revenge, which is, well, how can we as a corporation think and act differently in order to be able to compete at a different level rather than to, to, to continue as we are in this large uh, sort of corporate structure? And, and that's something that we work on internally, and it, it's this kind of thing that fascinates me. Okay, so I think I found these. Does this sound right? Unscaled, how AI and a new generation of upstarts are creating the economy of the future by Hemna Tenenja. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I feel so bad for them. I have no idea how to say their name. I then, can see it up on my bookshelf now, actually, when you talk about it. 
Yeah. Gol- uh, Goliath's Revenge, How Established Companies Turn the Tables on Digital Disruptors by Todd Hewlin. Does that sound, yep. sound like it? Okay. I don't have either of these. I'm, 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 I'm happy. I can put them on the wish list. Listen, I think that's a great place for, for uh, the end of part one. Everybody, please tune in to part two. We're going to keep asking about Ian's experience with innovation. Thanks, everyone.